Listen up and take a knee. I didn't budget for 40. Never thought I'd live to see 30. Now I'm 50. Tired of the horse shit. It's time to throat punch the weak sauce that masquerades as manhood 20 years into the 21st century. And I better start with my own. Welcome to St. Hank's. This is the American Badass's Guide to Everyday Sainthood. And who am I? Well, I was killed twice on basic cable by Bigfoot. And I could parallel park a school bus. But don't worry about that. I'm more knucklehead than badass. Somehow, after misplaying nearly every hand that life dealt me, I'm sitting here at the final table, the money round, the cash game, with a huge stack of chips. But those chips are worthless unless I push them into the middle of the table. Unless I commit, really commit to something. So let's worry about who I'm trying to become. And that is Hank. You do it as tough as it is possible to do. And you do that in all things. I don't know who Jay Cutler is. Oh, you. Hey, if you want a father, I'll give you a spanking. Popcorn. Hit the yard, me. If you could, you would. When there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. There's nothing uglier, he said, than watching someone get experience. I'm not sure if he'd classify himself as a pastor or a football coach, so I'll identify him by both callings. This pastor I once coached with, and he was right. It is ugly to watch someone get experience, and there is no end to ugly, just as there's no end to beauty, thankfully. Once you've gained that experience, earned it, there's always more experience to be gained or gotten. Always new opportunities to misapply or not apply the experience you've earned. New experience arising from the latest ugliness. But at least when you're young, when you're earning all that first ugly experience, at least you look good doing it. Or as good as you're going to look. As you get older, let's say you've waded knee-deep or waist-deep into the stream of your 40s and are entering your 50s. Or whatever that next murky milestone is in the eddying currents of your life. As you clean up the wreckage of what made all that experience possible... And as you pretty up the road ahead with a well-timed and perfectly aimed dose of experience, the realities of your age and stage set in. Maybe you're sitting in the dentist chair, as I recently was, getting your teeth cleaned, the slightly crooked teeth of your youth wearing away into the zipper configuration of middle age. Even as you avoid messes you used to dive into head-on, even as you cast your net into the deeper current for the bigger fish, Things accrete. That's a word I heard and I liked. So much I've used it twice now. The world leaves its marks. The world takes. Or the friction of existence rubs and wears away. Things fall away. Strength. Height. Sometimes hair. Friends. Desires. Dreams. Possibilities. The fire, still stoked, mellows a little. There's more and more just enough where there used to be two or three times too much. That experience comes in handy in the distribution of reduced resources. Now, there's nothing wrong. Sometimes people listen to this show and 
try to intuit if there's something going on in my life. Everything's great. As Tom Waits would say, nothing wrong with me, $1,000 wouldn't fix. Okay. He said 100 But inflation, cost of living increases, all those daily realities that used to be nothing more than words coming out of the TV or radio in the background of whatever adventures you were shuttling between at breakneck pace. This is not some secret response to bad news. The news is all good, just sometimes different. But I'm seeing where the experience will become necessary down the road in dealing with losses, in knowing where to apply the right energy, in having learned the right tool or implement or leverage. I remember once exasperating somebody I really desperately wanted to impress. He was an older guy, still vital, but not not 19 or 20 or whatever I was at the time. He was carefully setting up the plan to get a refrigerator off of a truck, entering into a negotiation with mass and distance, preparing the tools, ramp, dolly, straps, the tools needed to move this refrigerator. I, knowing I was a hick without a ton to offer a guy like him, whose problems were almost entirely his own making. He was brilliant, successful in business, a success in whatever he tried, really. Cool stuff, too. Licensed pilot, etc. The father of someone important to me. I really needed him to like me, to see a value in me. This experience would be my first taste of the reality of that age and stage of my life. I was making an ugly down payment on one of the more valuable experiences I would gain in my life. A lesson so valuable that it would hurt. And it would take almost forever. I wouldn't understand it for years. I quickly assessed the situation at hand. I said, hold on. Climbed the ramp. Tested the weight of the refrigerator. Not too bad. I approached it from the front so the doors would swing and the drawers would slide into me, not getting anywhere. I got low. Gripped tight and lifted. I can get this, I said. I turned and waddled it down the ramp, hiding any discomfort, holding my breath to keep him from hearing me panting. Got to the ground level, took it a few feet forward to where he stood with a dolly, and presented it to him like a prize, setting it down perfectly, not plopping it, being keenly aware of my audience and making sure that everything I did was done perfectly, proving that I had at least some worth. Reminds me of the early morning recently when my wife's weird dog rolled what we first thought was the little fabric koosh ball that had fallen off her keychain and had become one of his favorite toys. That's what he th- we thought he was rolling to us. He kind of knelt in front of this offering, reached out with his paws regally and bowed his head low. But it wasn't a toy he offered us. It was a dead bat. Like my wife's weird dog, I didn't get exactly the response I was looking for. In fact, I got shouted at. My intelligence was questioned. I started this vitally important relationship in a hole, which at that time I didn't understand. Didn't understand that I'd held up up a mirror to something lost. Though I was trying to offer what little I had to show I could be useful, worth something, The human mind can be a mysterious, barely operational Rube Goldberg device. What goes in tracing a torturous, sometimes petty, sometimes miraculous path through the past and already formed associations 
to emerge from some unexpected place. What went in was a naive and energetic offering. What emerged was an insult. What I was saying was, you're, you're too important to do this. Let me do it for you. What was heard was, you can't do this. Too old, too weak. Get out of the way of someone who still can. There's an additional element I needed to learn about. Sometimes, with some people, you can't succeed. Some games you can't win. Best to learn what they are and apply your energies elsewhere. But there were two stubborn people on that lawn that day, so let the ugly gathering of experience begin. A little older now, I do understand. A little better. Ages and stages, I'm now in a different stage. I'm the other guy in this story. And after the shock of the gift we'd been presented by my wife's weird dog wore off, the shock of the unexpected, my wife and I were able to respond to what our weird dog thought he was doing, meant to be doing, and praised him or at least his effort accordingly. The raw physicality and simplicity the young bring to the solution of their problems gives way to the guile and efficiencies of experience. My buddy Rex and I, as I've shared here, once moved an 800-pound gun safe by hand. Now, with the benefit of experience and knowledge that doing something once with no problem or without getting hurt means you beat the odds sometimes rather than discover a process. Rex won't take that kind of job anymore. Not without a proper dolly and some other vitally important elements in place. All this to say, this is more a time of reflection brought on by the rounds of doctor and dentist as it applies to the 50-year-old tooth and body than a response to any actual problem. This is just taking stock of experiences earned and noting the flow of the stream ahead. The experience prevents some ugly, but there's plenty of ugly built in to life, needing to be tended to in a thousand unsexy everyday applications, or the problems accrete, or things fall away. Like everything in this yin-yang world, however, that's good and bad. That slashing effect from cheekbone to jawline that used to cut the light in a certain way, that's long gone. Six-pack abs, gone even longer. All those what seemed like thousands of friends, fallen away by time and movement and attrition to just a few. But what a steadfast few they are. And a lot of what fell away wasn't for you or for your good. As I slowly started learning the day I moved a refrigerator by myself, not everybody wants the best for you. Not every gift is useful to you. Not everybody is for you. Hurts. But it hurts in transit. It hurts to remove the thing that will hurt you more if it sticks around. That thing, like a sore tooth, that is a localized problem, but can make every part of you, every nerve of you, every part of your life a misery until it's pinpointed and removed. I'll share with you the words of a great writer, then not such a great writer. 
Then I'll try to make this a little bit lighter. A little funnier than the direction this stream of thought seems to be moving. First, here's Tennyson from his poem Ulysses about the Ithaca king and Trojan war hero, creator of the Trojan horse, using guile and experience to breach walls that had repelled might and arms for centuries. Though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will. To strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. Or in the words of a slightly lesser poet, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And in a world where we really only have today, where we really only have now, once is enough. It has to be. So apparently 50 is the age where things happen you never thought would happen to you. And you have conversations, especially with doctors, about processes and anatomy you never thought you would have. There's still some unsexy human experiences to be had. Some chances for terminally unique and special snowflakes, like myself, to be humbled by reality and the meat suit I walk around in. My left index finger is now visibly crooked. It has been for some time. I'm not sure why or when exactly that happened. My new doc isn't either. I went in to give him another look at it and see what it was, what happened. To accept this new reality of crooked fingers and get the x-ray he recommended a while ago to determine if it was arthritis or injury. We never discussed the possibility of a friend of mine who was my age now, when I was the age of the college students, he and I and some other guys are working to help out of a jam, something he once said. I have that in both my pinkies, he said, and I asked my doctor what causes it. His doctor's answer? Birthdays. Before scheduling some blood work, my cholesterol and overall physical condition indicates a less than 4% chance of heart attack in the next 10 years, just so you know. And after 10 years, hmm, my vitamin D, low before I started daily supplementation, like most Americans, I'm told, is now smack dab in the middle of a range called normal, whatever that means. My testosterone, which I had to be a little bit of a tenacious D, like that squirrel whose tail my wife's weird dog chomped the end of, to even get tested. Well, that's a number. There's another number in relation to that number of mine. Mine's lower, but nobody, besides Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan, seems to want to talk about what either of those numbers might mean. Some kind of at a loss for now. Anyway, after scheduling the blood work and the x-ray, after getting a prescription for a mostly cosmetic issue with a toenail, I warned you that life secretions are not sexy. It was time to discuss important topics, namely my ass. Age 50 apparently opens a whole new doorway of curiosity about a man's backsides and all its connective systems and wonders therein. 
Luckily, my doctor said there are options. One option, my doctor explained, sounded like some sort of a joke the medical profession plays on men. It's called a scope, but sounds like swallowing a length of garden hose with an area that has no experience with swallowing. The second sounded like a college prank involving the post office, one that involved a procedure behind closed doors in the privacy of my own home and mailing something off that, if the person receiving it wasn't expecting it, could get me arrested. I waited for the information that would make this a choice. So now I'm waiting for a box to play a little prank on the post office with. I got a call from a nurse in my doctor's office a few days after my x-ray. I'm sorry, she said. We've got some bad news for you. you. You have arthritis in your thumb. That's really bad news, I said, because you x-rayed my index finger. A little investigation led them to tell me that my crooked finger, which I have to warm up every day to get it to bend right, except for the pronounced visible to the naked eye curve toward the pinky, has no discernible problems. Meanwhile, my thumb, which works just fine and doesn't hurt at all, is apparently arthritic. But this isn't mine or anyone else's first experience with a medical bureaucracy. I'm not even sure at this point that they're looking at the right person's x-ray. And I'm not sure what to do with any of this information in the first place, especially in the immediate here and now, which is all that matters. Unless how you use the here and now negatively impacts the future, sets you up for some tough times in the here and now you'll be coming to upstream. The nurse ended with this clarification. The doctor's note indicates that you should follow your treatment plan. I had to laugh to myself, and I had the experience not to tell someone who was just doing the best job they could with limited information what I was thinking. The only treatment plan I had was to poop in a box that hadn't arrived yet and mail it somewhere to people who, God love them, were in the business of accepting box after box full of crap in the mail, and to turn that crap into good news and a clean bill of health for some patients and to turn it into a life-saving intervention for others. So many possible themes emerging. So little time before the theme music starts. It makes me think of why the ancients, in all their wisdom, loved wrestling, of all things, which aficionados are quick to point out is the world's oldest sport. It's because of the way wrestling encapsulates life. The predicament of life. In fact, the scorebook for wrestling matches is sometimes called the predicament. Like life, the action in wrestling sometimes starts on your feet, even ground with your opponent. Sometimes you begin at a disadvantage. Sometimes you begin at at an advantage. Each position offers its challenges and rewards. Once the whistle blows and the action starts, like life, you can lose or gain advantage earn or lose points. There's escapes and reversals. There's periods of stalling for which you'll be penalized. But when you step out on the mat, you expected all of that. That was just part of the life of a wrestler. Sometimes you won. Sometimes you ran out of time. Always, you leverage your will, strength, experience, flexibility, and ability to adapt to the situation. And you did this against the will and adversity of an opponent who was doing the exact same thing. One of the greatest wrestlers I ever saw compete in person had a particular approach, 
gained through experience, fine-tuned for their own personal strengths of turning the position of disadvantage to his strongest position. By risking disadvantage and betting on himself, the rewards were great. His approach was simple. As soon as the whistle blew, the earliest opportunity to move, to improve his position, he struck. Instead of assuming adversity would win and moving to the side, or down and to the side, instead of compromising, he moved up. He popped up. With one fluid, quick motion, he jerked his arms free, and and not even stand up, he'd pop up. Quickly, back to even. With a point for the escape. Or, if he could have taken an advantageous position, three points for the reversal. Walking into each metaphorical battle in life, it may look like things are even, when in fact, we're ahead. Or maybe we're behind. Sometimes, like the day I tried to impress someone who'd already decided and was determined not to like me, when I helped them move a refrigerator, you think you're starting on equal footing, but you're as many as three points or more behind. And the challenge was just getting to where we are through this strength we gained and the experience we've earned through the struggle. And the clock is always ticking. There's barely time to react in this world, let alone rehearse. And the tide just keeps coming. As Fitzgerald wrote, So, we beat our boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly. Make sure with each crashing of the waves, you're moving a little closer to your horizon than the last time. Gather your strength. Assemble your loved ones and friends. Follow whatever North Star calls your name the loudest and keep it always in sight. What we are, we are. We're as good once as we ever were. We'll keep finding ourselves in new predicaments, but we only have to beat it this once. And once is enough. It has to be. This will all cease one day and what then once is the best we have and the best we can do just this once until the next once I hope to see you out there on the waters of wherever this all takes us until then may all your currents run deep may they all run true We purchased this experience with payments equal parts tough, ugly, and painful. Maybe there were some laughs and some joy. Let's ride it somewhere more beautiful than we've ever known. And let's share what we find there. So the next one up maybe doesn't have to have it so ugly. Stay up, stay healthy. This has been a lesson from St. Hank's. The American Badass's Guide to Everyday Sainthood. I hope you were listening. This will be on the test.